hearing the story behind nicknames. Anybody else love to hear the strange nicknames people get? Because there's usually like a really good story. It's either really, really sweet, right? Like if you have a nickname for your spouse or for a boyfriend or girlfriend, usually it's sweet, uh, but it can also be really funny. Some people's nicknames just are because they did something ridiculous and they've earned this title, this mantle for the rest of their lives. Like you won't outrun this nickname whenever you're in certain company. And so I love to hear the story behind them. And I also love to hear the story because names matter. And every day we walk around with invisible name tags all over us. We have the names that we've been given at birth, right? I answer to a certain name. We have the nicknames that we pick up along the way through all of these stories and these life moments. We have the names of position. I am a mom and a wife and a sister and a daughter and a friend. We have those kinds of names. But then we have these names that likely we're the only ones knowing we're wearing these name tags. And those are the names of identity, those things that we believe about ourselves. And these names are all important because our identity defines our choices. Our identity defines our choices. This week, I have spent the entire week bumping up against this truth, this reality. It's been a really long tiring week, um, compounded by the fact that I ended up giving myself a cold, um, and I say that really, really intentionally, I did this to me, um, by bumping up against this truth. Whenever I would be encouraged to take a break or rest this week, whenever I would be prompted to like, just call it a day and go to bed, I would go, you know what, no, I can do this. This is just who I am. I can do this. It's okay. So really and truly, I did this to me. Um, this is Lisa's punishment for not being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Because one of those invisible name tags I carry around is capable. And the thought of stopping, the thought of taking a break was almost like admitting defeat to myself. I am not capable enough to do this in the 24 hours allotted to me. I have failed. I can do this. It's just who I am. You had those moments where all of a sudden you find yourself bumping up against a decision that you know you shouldn't say yes to, or maybe you know you shouldn't say no to, but there's that invisible identity piece that is prompting you to make that choice because this is just who you are. Our identity defines our choices. And this morning, we're going to take a peek at the life of Jacob. And he is one of the patriarchs of our faith. And we're going to see what happened when God intervened with his presence in a really critical time in his life. And so turn with me to Genesis 25, 
Um, in all of the chaos of this week, I have misplaced my preaching Bible somewhere in the office. Um, so if you, like me, did not bring a paper Bible this morning, pull your smartphone, uh, go to myevangel.church, and you can go to the Bible tab there. There'll be a whole bunch of apps and digital Bibles for you there. So Genesis 25 is going to be our starting point this morning. Well, God, we thank you for the lives that you have recorded for us in your word. God, I thank you that you didn't choose the perfect. You didn't choose the noble. You chose the broken like us. You chose the hot mess to put in your Bible and use powerfully. Because you can use messes like me powerfully. So this morning, God, as we just dig into this life that you've recorded for us, would you remind us that we too can be renamed, that we too can have a new name and a new future? So as always, Lord, would you just go before my words? Would you let those that are birthed out of my own agenda or my own strength or will, would you just let them fade away? God, this morning, would you speak? For you, Spirit of Truth, are the only one who can create life change. And we so desperately want to walk away from here changed this morning. In your precious name, amen. So let me run through this for you, just quickly give you some backstory to Genesis 25. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. And you've likely heard that name, but if you're exploring faith this morning and you haven't, Abraham is the first person after the flood of Noah that we have a record of God talking to. We have a record of God talking about people, but not to someone. And so after God decides, you know what, this is enough, these people are so evil, I'm going to start over, and the flood happens, He's watching and he's waiting, and here comes Abraham. Afraid little Abraham. <laughs> There's something about him that God just loves, though. And he gives Abraham this promise that out of him is going to come this incredible nation. He's going to be the start of something that God wants to do on this earth. There's only one problem. Abraham and his wife Sarah, and those aren't their names yet, God renames them, can't have any children. And so God intervenes and he does this absolutely miraculous thing and these two people that are well past the age of being able to have a child, have a child, and they name him Isaac. And God reiterates this promise in Isaac's life. That this great nation is going to come out of this lineage, but there's another problem. He marries Rebecca, who also cannot have children. And so for a second time, God does this incredible miracle. And Rebecca has these two twins. And what we're told is that they are actually warring within her as they develop in her womb. And then in Genesis 25... Verses 24 to 26, we see the birth of these boys. And when the time came for her to give birth, 
There were twin boys in her womb, and the first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. Just to, like, let you in on this, Esau literally means hairy. Like, they named their child Harry. So if you ever got flack for your name choices or you haven't had kids yet, you are off the hook forever because you're not going to walk around and name your child Harry. So we're good. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. And Jacob is a pretty common name now, and so we don't really always fully grasp the, the bigger picture here. I mean, we hear it, and we're going to get there in a moment about, like, it's right that his name's Jacob. But Jacob literally meant he who grasps the heel, and it was a Hebrew exception for he deceives. It's just like how we would say, like, it's the bee's knees. No one under a certain age probably says that. But, like, it's an expression we have that means another thing, right? He grasps the heel, literally. He came out holding Esau's foot, and so they called him Jacob. But at the same time, they proclaimed this destiny and this identity over him, and they said, you are a deceiver. I'm proclaiming your name. I'm proclaiming your identity. Your identity is deceiver. And we watch through this whole life of Jacob as he lives up to this identity, right? Our identity proclaims, our, our identity defines our choices. And this man proclaimed identity surely did that in Jacob's life. And so we don't really see what they were like as boys, but we see them as men. And in Genesis 25, verses 29 to 33, we see kind of the first moment of this as Jacob manipulates his brother Esau into handing over his inheritance with a bowl of stew. Now we can get into how ridiculous Esau's decision was another day. Like you're hungry, we get it, wait. Um, but he hands over his inheritance. He hands over his birthright. Now everything that Isaac leaves behind that should have gone to the firstborn son is going to the second. Because Jacob manipulated the situation to get what he wanted. Then fast forward or flip over a few pages to Genesis 27. And once again, Jacob is going to manipulate the situation to get what he wants. On Isaac's deathbed, there was a birthright and a blessing. And Jacob and his mom, Rebecca, are going to come in and they're going to manipulate this whole situation. They're going to deceive his dying father. Masquerade as his brother. And steal the blessing. Again, this is the lineage that God's choosing to create an entire country. That of this deceiver. In Genesis 27 to 36, when Esau finds out about this, he says, isn't he rightly named Jacob? Isn't he rightly named deceiver? Of course this is how he would act. It's just who he is. He's deceiver. 
And as you can imagine, Esau's not too happy, and so he pledges that as soon as Isaac dies, he's killing his brother. He's killing Jacob. He's just taking back what's his. And his mom hears, and so Rebecca sends Jacob off with relatives. And on the way, he has this incredible moment with God where God reiterates this promise that he has made to Abraham and Isaac. And he reiterates it to Jacob, and he says, look, like this is what I'm going to do through you. This whole place, it's yours. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to be with you. But Jacob's identity is still all wrapped up in who he's always been. And he can't quite escape it. And so he continues on on his way, and he gets to his family, and he gets married, and he has this life, but these identity choices that he keeps making just keep coming back and back and back. And it's not long before things come to a head with his now father-in-law, and he just says, you know what, we got to get out of here. we got to go back. Like, we can't stay. And Laban's daughters, who are his wives, agree. And so while Laban's away, they sneak off. And in Genesis 31, 25 to 26, Laban catches up with them, and he says, what have you done? You've deceived me. Like, how old is Jacob now? And this identity that was proclaimed over him at birth has just followed him over and over and over. It's defined all of these choices that he's made. He's just reiterating the same thing. He's just stuck in this rut of deception and manipulation. And now he's kind of stuck in this hard place because he gets word that Esau's heard he's coming home. And Esau's coming to welcome him. And that sounds really great until you read the next line with 400 men. Esau's coming to welcome him with an army. And behind him is this angry father-in-law. And he literally has nowhere to go. All of his choices that have been defined by who he believed he was, deceiver, have caught up with him. There's no way out. He goes forward and gets killed. He goes back. And he's right stuck in the same cycle with the angry father-in-law that he's been living in, despairing in. There's nowhere to go. And so Jacob does what he always does. He starts to manipulate the situation. He starts to figure his own way out. And he thinks, you know what? I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to send like gifts. I'll just put space in between them and I'll send, like, here, have all of these cows. I'm sorry for what I did to you way back when. And if they don't get killed, then, like, there'll be more coming. And then, you know, I'll just divide up my wives and my kids. My favorites will be last. And then, you know what, if Esau comes and he really wants to destroy me, then maybe by the time he gets to my favorites, his rage will have passed and they'll be spared. I'm just going to figure this thing out. I'm just going to manipulate the situation one last time. And as he does, as he's figuring this out, he's like throwing all of God's promises back at him. Well, you said, you said, but once again, 
I'm going to make my choice. Once again, I'm going to let my identity define what I'm going to do in this moment. And he spends this evening alone in his camp. So flip over a few pages to Genesis 32. Genesis 32, verses 24 to 32. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. And as he wrestled with the man, or was wrenched as he wrestled with the man, then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. And the sun rose above him as it passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. And therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. What's your name? What's your name? Who are you? What identity are you carrying around? What's that name tag that's invisible to everyone but you? And there is something so powerful in this question. Remember, Jacob got his blessing the first time by using someone else's name. He's carrying around this provision, this promise of God that's actually not his, but he got by deceiving and manipulating. Scott says, what's, what's your name? Who are you? And there's something so powerful to that question. Michelle Anthony wrote, obviously God knew Jacob's name. Perhaps God asked him for his name because he wanted to know if Jacob knew it. And when Jacob answered, my name is Jacob, he acknowledged his true self. And after many years of running away, Jacob finally faced his sins, repented, and was changed by God. God even changed Jacob's name to Israel, a name that would always remind Jacob of his night of wrestling with God. Listen, church, our identity defines our choices, but your identity doesn't need to stay the same as it always was. When we choose a new identity, and that's not right, when God speaks a new identity in the midst of that wrestling, we can watch the choices and the outflow of that change too. We are not handcuffed to who we have always been because God is a God who can redeem and restore and rename. God is a God who takes that man-proclaimed identity and says, no more. No more. That's not who you are anymore. You're not going to be the deceiver. No, 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 no. Now you're going to be the one who wrestled and overcame. Now you're going to be the one through hard work, 
through intimacy with God is going to see the fulfillment of promise. And when we wrestle with God, he renames us. When we come into the presence of God, he begins to call out who we were really created to be in the first place. But church, the wrestling is hard. Jacob forever walked with a limp. The wrestling is painful. The wrestling means allowing God to tear away that which has been proclaimed over us, that which has got us stuck in decisions that we know we don't want to keep making, but we do because it's just who I am. It's painful to allow God to do that. After how many years? How many years of declaring that this is who I am, of answering to this name, you want to take it away now? It's painful. But it's also this intimate moment. Because you can't wrestle from afar of when God gets face to face, of when God gets as near, really, as you can be. And he starts to work with us as he starts to bring us to places that we've tried to hide from him for so long. The wrestling is hard, but only in the wrestling can he rename us. Church, can we not give up? When it starts to hurt. I know that's what I do. Right? You get in the presence of God and he starts to refine and he starts to chisel and he starts to purify and he starts to remove. And it's like, whoa, that's enough for today, God. That's enough today. Like, this is tender. Let's just stop. Let's just pick it up in a couple months. Jacob prevailed all night long. Jacob prevailed even after God touched his hip. Jacob held on. He didn't let go. Church, if we want to see God be able to come and restore and renew our choices, when we want God to transform our mind, it's going to mean getting into the presence of God and not letting go until he says it's done. It's going to be not letting go when it's like, I think I've had enough, till God says, no, 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 no. No. Because otherwise, we're just going back to the same old man-proclaimed identity. We're going back to the same old rut. We're going back to all of the same patterns of behavior and choice. And I don't know about you, but they haven't ever led me anywhere good. But when God speaks, when God renames, we have a new name and a new future. And so Jacob walks away from this moment, and God, true to his promise, mends his relationship with Esau. And God, true to his promise, fulfills absolutely everything he said he was going to do when Jacob was Jacob. And now as Israel, as he walks in this new pattern of identity defining his choices, he comes back to Paddan Aram. To where the promise 
was spoken the first time. But now, as Israel. And in Genesis 35, verses 9 to 13, it says, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. And so he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. And kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. And then God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. Church, we aren't glued to our identity. We're not glued to those things that either others man proclaimed or ourselves man proclaimed have decided we should be or we are. We're not glued to that. But in the wrestling with the presence of God, as we allow him to rename us, he gives us not just a new name, but a new future. And as my creator and as your creator, don't you think he knows exactly how he designed us to be? Don't you think he knows better than anyone the identity that fits? The identity that's whole and healthy? The identity that's going to lead to fulfillment and peace? Before all of the scars of life got in the way. The name that God wants to bestow upon you. Those places where he wants to take that old name tag off and put the new one on. Though it might be painful for a time. Church, that's what's going to fit. That's what's going to be for your good and not your harm. That's what's going to give you life abundant. Because God is going to speak your identity. I know I find myself constantly in the same cycles. Over and over and over and over and over. So often I want to just be like Jacob and rally against God and be like, but you said, and here I am in this mess, so you know what, I'm just going to figure it out. You had your turn, now it's mine. But can we be honest? The times when I get stuck in the same destructive cycles over and over and over and over and over and over and over again are not because God let me down, because I let me down. It's because I decided I knew best. It's because I decided I I'm just this way. This is just who you made me to be, God. When I get stuck in those cycles over and over and over and over and over again, it needs to be a wake-up call. Lisa, you need to get alone for a night. You need to wrestle. You need to wrestle. Are you willing to wrestle with God? Are you willing to get that close? Have you ever seen a wrestling match? (laughs) They're close. (laughs) 
Because I don't know about you, but there are times when I come into the presence of God, man, and I know, like I know that God's going to do something. And like, God, can you just like, it's great. Like, I want you to do something. Can you just please not let anyone know that I'm such a mess? Like, can you just not reveal that to anybody today, please? Can you allow me to hold my head high? Like, I want to be in your presence, but I know in your presence is light in darkness. And I'm just not sure I want the lights on right now. You've been there? It's like, I want to be in your presence, God, but not too close, please. Church, if we're going to wrestle, if we're going to allow God to rename us, we need to get closer. We need to get closer. We need to allow him to be so close that he sees all those things that we try and hide. I mean, he sees them anyway. But I know it doesn't stop me from still trying to hide it. Are you willing to wrestle? Are you willing to hurt for a bit? To find healing forever? Are you willing to allow God to rub those bruises? To touch all those tender spots? To chisel out, remove. That's not easy, church. That doesn't happen without force and exertion, right? Think of trying to remove a tree. We just started cutting off the, the tops of it. It's amazing. It just keeps growing back. Because unless we get dig, dig down deep, still there, even if we can't see it. Are you willing to hurt? It's not because God's not good. It's not because God's not gentle. It's not because he's not gracious and merciful. It's because wrestling's hard. And renaming means removing. Are we willing to wrestle? Let me ask the worship team to come back. Friends, this morning, if you find yourself stuck in that cycle, we're going to worship together. Can we wrestle? If you find yourself believing those proclaimed identities, either you set over yourself or someone has placed on you, can today be the day can today be the day you say, enough, enough. I'm not going to let go until God says it's done. I'm not going to go away until I walk out with a new name and a new future. I'm not letting go when it hurts until it's finished. Can today be the day? God, you are gracious. And 
Lord, it would be so great if every, everything that you do was just warm and fluffy and soft. It'd be so amazing if there was nothing that was hard in your presence. But God, I thank you that you used Jacob to show us that we are not glued to our identity and that choices are never final. We are never too far gone for you to fulfill your promises in our life. God, would you help us to be people that wrestle? Would you help us to be people that are renamed in your presence? Because God, I don't want to walk through life tagged with all of my brokenness. I don't want to walk through life handcuffed to my failure. I don't want to walk through life reliving the cycles of regret. God, I want to walk through life empowered by your spirit, renamed by you, called to more, living a life that reflects you well because it is full of choices that reflect who I am in you. But God, I'm not going to get there unless you do something. Unless you go deep. Unless you get close. Unless you wrestle with me. God, I thank you that you instigated that wrestling match because you had something to do in Jacob. This morning, God, if you are pressing on that place in our heart, would you give us the courage to stay in this place until it's done? If you are instigating that wrestling match right now, God, would you allow us to persevere and to hold on, even when it gets too close for comfort, even when it gets more painful than we're willing to handle, would you help us to persevere and hold on until you have said it's done, it's finished. This is your new name. Walk in your new identity and your new future. We surrender our lives to you, God. We lay it before you like an open book. Would you do what only you can do? In your precious name, amen.